Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I am Claire Campos O'Neill. And I am Nicole Abshire. And we are here to round out our talk about elections because, elections. yes, this week were the midterms and we had an election day and people went out and they voted. Not all people, uh, about 46% of eligible tech, eligible voters, registered voters, registered voters voted a little bit down from 2018. And we have results, results here in Texas. So Nicole and I earlier today went to a recording of Tribcast, which is a really great podcast put on by the Texas Tribune. It's a political podcast. They talk more about issues of the day, whereas we do series and deep dive into specific topics. Um, But it was great getting their quick thoughts on what happened um, with with voting and, and with what people said from this election. So Nicole, what were some of the key things that you learned from that and just things that you had after the results came in? Well, okay. I had, I have so many thoughts that are all competing right now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to narrow down on where to go. Um, the results themselves, I, I'm also trying to find the right words, right? Because our aim is to be, I don't know if we want to say nonpartisan or independent, you know, maybe I'll say independent. Um, but I will say that the the results were disappointing. And I have an independent case to make for that. And Let's it's no hear secret, it. right? It's no secret, <laughs> right? It's the stuff that we've been talking about as we've gone along, which is that it isn't healthy for democracy to have any one party in complete control of all the levers of government. And that is what we have in Texas. So, you know, who cares about any sort of party affiliation? This is about the preservation of democracy and having a government that represents who we are. And the fact is that in Texas, our statewide offices are uniformly held by Republicans, and that is not good for democracy. So I was disappointed. Yeah, it... I think, I think, well, it's funny because we live in Austin, right? So Austin feels very much like a bubble because everywhere you go, nine signs out of 10 are Beto signs. There are some Abbott, but generally people are like all about the Democratic ticket. So it's funny. uh, I don't know, funny, but like interesting when you see the statewide office candidates on the Democratic ticket lose by so many votes because we live here and we're like, but everyone I know is voting this way, but that's not how it is. And that was something that the Tribcast panelists really dug into. They said that rural Republicans brought home the bacon for Republicans. They reliably show up in these elections and they're the ones who reelect Republicans again and again and again. And 
towards the end of the TripCast show, I asked a question to the panelists. I was scratching my head a little bit because there's all these reports of how rural Texas is suffering, how hospitals are closing in record numbers. You know, we talked about the teacher shortage with Candace Hunter, but it's especially felt in rural Texas. I mean, some of them have to go to four days a week because they don't have enough staff to cover that fifth day of school. Um, you have infrastructure issues, broadband issues. It is it is hard to live in those parts of Texas. And the candidates, the Republican candidates, don't seem to be speaking to those problems. So I'm like, uh, and yet you still vote this way? So my question to the panelists and just like in general is what is it that has them coming back again and again? I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm, I, I'm curious what that is all about. Is it about single issues? Is it about like abortion? And like, that's it. Like, that's where I fall. So uh, the rest, you know, who cares about the rest? Like, uh, this is where I land. So I don't know what it is. What do you do? You, do you have any thoughts well, on that? Well, and I didn't really feel like they had very clear cut answers. Um, yeah. and, and probably because nobody knows, right? This is, if that can be cracked, then we're going to see some change in Texas. Um, I mean, the map says it all, right? If you see the map where they shaded in the counties, who went red and who went blue, it says everything, right? It is rural Texas that that consistently um, votes red. And it would be wonderful if that code is cracked, right? Because yeah. I remember Evan Smith talking about how it is baffling sometimes when we watch voters vote against their self-interest and it's surprising and but we do see it yeah well I think too about our conversation um with the ladies at Blue Horizon with Stephanie Phillips and Claire Bar Barnett I, I almost made the same mistake I made during our episode I want to say like Barlet for some reason um anyway Stephanie was talking about how when she ran she ran in a red county or red district and she knew it was going to be a tough race but she talked about the environment and the need to preserve their water resources and all of a sudden that was on that candidate's radar which was a net benefit for those for those folks for those voters because they were they, they had, it felt like the representative who ended up being elected had a better sense of what the folks wanted because she was part of that conversation um, and it's a shame because, and like Evan Smith pointed this out with the Texas Tribune, a lot of these races are not contested. The person just wins. And then my thought is, are they going to respond to these very, very necessary structural issues? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think they would have already. They've been in power, as we mentioned, for a very long time, like 20 plus years. So what is it? It's very strange. Well, and I do remember the other point when there was kind of that problem-solving conversation, which was, you know, we've heard this before, right? That the the message needs to be taken to the voters and it needs to be consistent, right? I, they talked a lot about the democratic infrastructure and how it is not strong in Texas and certainly not in rural areas. And so... It seems to me, and I haven't been at this game very long, right? Looking at politics and trying to analyze what I see and, right, this is very new to me. So I, there might be some people out there that will 
you know, laugh when they hear me say this, but this feels like a very long game that will need to be played and it will have to look like building up some serious democratic infrastructure and taking the message to the voters again and again and again and again. I think it's just, it cannot be like a fly-by-night kind of operation. People can't just swoop in at the last minute, try to tell them a few things about how they're going to bring hospitals to their county, and then they're gone again when they don't get elected. It's, I think this is just going to be a long road. And I, who knows if the Democratic Party is going to invest in that. Right. Yeah. Well, then I, I say, yes, in the Tribcast uh, show, they were talking a lot about the party. They're talking a lot about how there's no invest. There isn't like a lot of investment in Texas. And I was like, what does that mean investment? Does that mean that there's not the same amount of money? I'm sure there isn't. Or people in leadership who are steering the car, so to speak. Like, what is it that we're missing? And yeah, I guess it just feels like every cycle it's a scramble, like, ah, and it's like, mm -hmm. where is like the foundation to make sure that people can easily plug into this program? There, why is there still not a program? It's, it's very, very strange. It's there not like we're a new state. It feels as if, yeah, there are a lot of holes here. Yeah. Well, and then, so my other takeaway, this is kind of related, um, which is that there's this thought I had as I was listening to the panel that was speaking that there, there's, it's a lot of that inside baseball talk again. Oh yeah. That definitely drives me crazy. Like they won by plus 10 or blah, blah, blah. yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Throwing out <laughs> counties and districts and who this and this and the that's and the, and um, that's just an ongoing challenge. I think for me, I'm so glad to be in this space and talking about things and asking questions. I know how necessary it is for my own political awakening. And I continually am reminded that there is a real disconnect between pundits, the people that talk about politics and the average citizen. And it's just, it's so easy for them, I think, to talk over our heads, over my head. And, you know, I consider myself relatively intelligent. Um, and, and so anyway, the battle I think that I have in my mind is how much do we really expect people to know? I don't, I, it, it's just like, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I think that's why I keep coming back to this this rural voter conundrum, it feels like. Um, it's like something is missing there. And maybe it is the message. Like we, you know, Stephanie Phillips talked about this, how a lot of times candidates are messengers. And when there isn't a Democrat in the race, there isn't a messenger. So it's only one message that you're getting. Like why aren't more voters getting the message that the representative you are electing is the one who will decide if you have clean water or not, if you have well-funded schools or not, if you have broadband access. Like, do you, I wonder if they're not realize if it's not clear enough or 
I just wonder, like, what what is that gap? Because I I feel like there's like I don't think it's just like spite, like, oh, I'm gonna do this. Like, I I know that they could fix this stuff, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't think people they're like mm. this idea of voting against your interests. Like, I don't even know if I believe that completely. I guess is where I'm yeah. landing. I think yeah. I what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that that doesn't resonate with you, that people would vote against their self-interest, that what feels like it may be more um, believable is that people just don't know who's in charge of what. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and even as, as uh, this was like a big national thing that I heard uh, recently about the election results is that there was a lot of ticket splitting. So people would vote for one party in one race and the other party in another race. So that tells me that maybe people, it's not all about like the team, but there is some variation and maybe they don't completely get, yeah, who does what. And I think that's fair to say, not that like voters are dumb, but it's so confusing to understand who does what. Yes. Yes. There's just, there's, there's a lot to take in. I, I don't know. I have so many swirling thoughts about all of that. Because I also don't want to underestimate people. I don't want to underestimate myself, but I also want to be realistic and, you know, be honest about when things feel overwhelming. And so it's it's just a lot to take in. This has been been quite a day to try yeah. to untangle all of the things. And I took furious notes. I mean, you should see my notebook. I think you saw me. You sat next to me. Um, I, I don't even know what to do with these notes. It's like, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, the The thing that made me feel hopeful and made me really excited that we're getting more educated about local politics is there were some really great local candidates that we know, friends of the pod, who won. And that's, you know, the upside that um, when you have really great candidates, people will show up for them. Like you might remember that we spoke at the very beginning to Vicki Goodwin and she won her race. And um, I think all the people that we spoke to won their races, Candace Hunter, James Tallarico, um, Michelle Cohen Gutierrez or Gutierrez Cohen. I think I put that wrong. Sorry, Michelle. Um, And that's great because as we experienced, they have such a passion, such a servant mindset. It's like, these are the people we need in office. And they made a point of this in the Texas Tribune, Tribcast recording that you need a bench. So you need to get into these local positions to have a chance to maybe move up if that's what you want. So it's great that we're having great leaders in that um, very, very local level. Because who knows where they could go? For sure. I mean, I, that when they had that discussion about the bench, which just for people listening, you know, it's using the metaphor of you know, a sports team or like a basketball team that they've got people on the bench who are waiting to be subbed into the game, you know, when somebody else gets tired. So the idea is uh, making sure that each party and apparently Republicans are really good about this. They, they know how to keep that bench full. The Democrats have not been as effective, meaning there's not this clear pipeline of how people move up kind of within different um, offices to kind of take higher and higher offices. They, they seem to universally sound disappointed in the statewide Democratic ticket, which 
frankly, it was news to me. I, I didn't know that some people weren't excited about all the, the folks at the top. Um, but anyway, so yes, it is super heartening. It's nice to say heartening and not disheartening um, to think about some of the people that we've spoken to who have done incredible things and have demonstrated such dedication to public service to think that they could potentially be in the pipeline to keep moving through the ranks in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something sort of related to that. Um, when they were, the thing I heard over and over about the statewide races and the one I, th- that they said was the most gettable was attorney general. They were like, Rochelle Garza has the best shot of beating Ken Paxton because he, uh, has a lot of scandal and all kinds of stuff are connected to him. We talked about this in a previous episode, if you want to hear more about these races and what these people do. Um, but she lost by a lot, by a lot. And they made a good point. 9.9 points. Yeah, yeah. They made a good point um, at the Trivcast show. <laughs> That she was a first-time candidate. She was running for a statewide office, which is really hard. You have to fundraise so much money to run statewide. And I was like, oh, yeah, she was a first-time candidate. And she didn't really have, like, that public profile like Beto did. I mean, this is his third time running. Um, And she made comments during the race, like, it would be nice if – you know, the funding wealth was spread around, <laughs> I guess you could say, um, because you need a lot of money to, to win these races. And she seemed like a great candidate, but even she like way underperformed. I mean, that's not close. Close is like a point or two, but she was way off. I mean, everybody was. All of them were. Yeah. 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 Well... Here we are, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, I mentioned this at the top, but I'll mention it again because I thought this was interesting um, about turnout. So in 2018, 53% of registered voters turned out. But in 2022, this most recent election, 46% of registered voters turned out. So it was less. And they said that Democrats really need at least 50% of voters to turn out to even have a chance so the fact that we didn't even have that 50% threshold was not great for Democrats. And something I heard recently, I love this idea. Because I keep thinking, like, what's the hack? Like, how do we fix this stuff fast? I know what the hack is, Nicole. Do you want to know? yes. <laughs> okay. So I think this was on Today Explained, this really great podcast. They re-aired an episode from 2018 And they put out this idea that what if voting was mandatory? And then they talked about Australia where it is mandatory and they have like 95% participation in voting. And it's a big party. They have voting on Saturdays. People, for the most part, like it. They participate. The woman who was being interviewed was like, oh, yeah, we how does she do her? Like, we just show up in our bathing suits. This is that accent. <laughs> and, then, and then we have like a sausage fest. <laughs> like, okay. Like food sausage. <laughs> Gosh. It was a great show. I am not a good Australian impersonator. But anyway, I was like, this is it. We just need mandatory voting. And she said it's great because people show up. If they don't like the politicians, they're voted in and out. Like there's so much more fluidness in their 
democracy because people participate. I love that. And it would never work here. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I think if if I was like a democratic strategist or something, I'd be like, this is is what we need to push for. And then you land somewhere and then you like, yeah, like you got to set this goalpost way over there. Maybe you Mm. get there by some miracle. That's Mm. how... Republicans are, are I believe in miracles. winning in the end because they set their goal post so far, goal post, like almost a near total abortion ban. And like it worked. They actually got like the crazy thing that we thought the Overton window, the crazy thing we thought would never happen happened. We need to do that too. Um, we as in like those who want really good democracy, talk about that stuff. Yes. And, and then you get... Same day voter registration. And then you get who knows what like the lower bar is, but where it is now is bad. I mean, like we talked about with Emily EB and Beth Stevens, like SB1, the voter suppression bill made it harder to vote. And clearly it is impacting who shows up or doesn't show up. Yep. Yes. Even, yeah. And, even when it's just because people are confused. Like, in other words, they, everything is, is fine, right? They're fully registered. Everything is okay. But if there's that little bit of confusion, that alone will keep people away. Mm-hmm. So it succeeds whether people understand what's happening or not, because that bit of confusion is enough to have an effect. It is. Oh, one more thing that's coming to mind is the Australian lady expert on voting. Do the accent. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> she was like, okay, what did she say? She's like, oh, okay, I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to hear it in my head. She was saying that because people have to vote, they pay more attention to the candidates mm. and to the races. It's just like like a, like a side effect of, of this of this of this implementation i'm on board claire yes i like this let's make that the mission of our show yes because remember when we saw when we went to the recording texas tribune festival where they were it was called colin aldred and michael lee they're talking about hr1 the bill in congress trying to make voting like standardized voting they need to put in mandatory voting yes Hey, Colin hometown, home state. You you heard it here first. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Mandatory voting, mandatory voting. Yeah, that's what we have to do. Just make it sound like it's the most normal thing ever. It is. Like, and you should listen to this Australian woman because she's like, (laughs) you Americans, it's it's horrible in America or whatever. I got to work on that. Okay, wait, what show is this? Now that we've like giggled at the end of this podcast. Today episode. Explained. Today Explained. So good. Okay. I loved it because she was talking like, this is so sensical. Like, what's wrong with you Americans? And I was like, you're right. What is wrong with us? <laughs> we we need help. Thank you, I want to go to the beach. Yeah, I want to <laughs> vote in a, I don't want to vote in a bathing suit, but it'd be nice to like have a cover up and then go to the beach. <laughs> And then have a little cookout. I was going to mention something else, but I'm not going to. Okay, well, we will put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Well, we hope that you voted and 
for we know it, 2024 will be here and we'll be talking about the Texas Senate race because we will have a senator up for election. Um, but a lot of these statewides, I mean, they're there for like six years, right? That's what it was. Ooh. Oh, shoot. Oh, we did no. an episode on this. I'm pretty sure we it's did. six years. Is it? Okay. I was thinking four. Okay. Well, that's all right. We're, we got this. <laughs> um, forgive us. Forgive us, audience. We don't need to be experts on that part, right? Yeah. It's right. kind of late. But, you know, if you're not happy with who's in power, we're going to try to give you tools to have your voice heard so that they do feel responsible to all of us and beholden to all of us because that's what they're supposed to be. Yes. Not just and carry folks. the torch, everybody. Seriously, let's spread the message. Mandatory voting. Let's do it. It all started tonight. We're making on the this memes. <laughs> Seriously. Ooh, okay, Claire. I'm inspired. All right. Thanks yes. for listening, everybody. Sorry, yeah. it was a little rambly and a little giggly, but it is late, it's late. And it's been a crazy week. Yes. So everyone, get some rest, rest up, regroup. Let us know what you want to learn about so that we can give you tools to fight the good fight. Yes. Talk to you later. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com where you'll find links to all of our social media and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks everybody and have a good one.